And today's reading is taken from Mark chapter seven, verses twenty-four to thirty. Mark chapter seven, verses twenty-four to thirty. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered the house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman. Whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit, came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, "For such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter." She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. This is the word of the Lord. As we, as you know, we're going through the difficult. Uh, Difficult sections in the Gospel of Mark, and we're doing it for a couple of different reasons. One, to give you confidence that actually every word of the Bible is God's word; that it has something meaningful to say、um, to all of us.、Uh, but also because we want you to go and read through Gospel of Mark, and we want you to know Gospel of Mark、uh, pretty well, so you can share it with others. And there will be actually a training seminar、uh, on the Gospel of Mark in the future as well. But I hope you will go through the Gospel of Mark、um, as we go through this series,、uh, and that you'll be. Equipped to share it with others,、um, but it is a difficult passage, and、uh, like much of the Bible, actually the meaning is contained in the context. So, if you have your Bibles, please do have it out、um, because we will go through it. But why don't we pray that God will speak to us this morning? Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for the gospel. We thank you that the gospel is for all people. And we pray that as we come to this text, this text will come alive, and that you will meet us. Your grace will meet us, that we might share this good news with others. In Jesus' name, Amen. I think it is one of the most shocking passages、um, in the in the Bible. This woman comes to Jesus, and she's a Gentile, and we know that in verse six twenty-six, she's a Syro-Phoenician woman, a historic enemy of the Jews. Her daughter was possessed by an evil spirit, which is not good. As she comes, she knows that Jewish rabbis do not mix with people like her. But nonetheless, this is Jesus. We know that he's compassionate, that he's kind. So it's still shocking to hear what Jesus says to this woman, this poor woman who's come to beg that her child be cleansed of an evil spirit. Again, listen to Jesus' answer in verse twenty-seven. First, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You know what she's,、uh, what he's doing? He's he's saying that Jewish people are the children of God, and the Gentiles like her, the Syrophoenician women, are are dogs. They don't have right to eat from the、uh, from、uh, from the children's bread. And just to be make、uh, just to be sure. Uh, this wasn't when he calls、um, her a dog. This isn't like a Hong Kong dog. 
The, uh, Hong Kong dogs are clean, uh, they're nicely bathed, uh, groomed, and I've seen on many occasions how Hong Kong dogs, when they go on a walk, they're taken uh, on a walk on a little stroller. These are not like Hong Kong dogs. Dogs back in those days were unclean. They lived in filth, roamed around, and they scavenged uh, for food. How can this be? How can Jesus call this woman a dog? Well, in order to understand this, we first need to understand how Jewish people live, try to live a life that is distinct from the Gentiles, that is holy and good. Uh, Cleanliness was important for Jewish people. It wasn't the germs that they're worried about because it actually concerned their relationship with God. If a person touched an unclean thing, like a dead thing, or a person with a skin disease, leprosy, then he couldn't participate in the worship of God. They couldn't enter into the temple to worship God. It had that sort of effect You were defiled and you weren't allowed in. Of course, all this is a physical reminder that actually we need to be transformed inwardly, that our heart needs to repent, and actually as we come to God, we need to be cleansed. And for that reason, Jewish uh, people knew not to mingle with the Gentiles. Gentiles were unclean people. Remember what God told Israel when God rescues Israel out of Egypt. The thing that he says is, God commanded Consecrate yourselves to be holy because I am your God, Leviticus 27. I have set you apart from the Gentiles to be my own. God sets Israelites away from uh, the Gentiles. He sets them apart. And then God gives them his laws so that they would stand out, so that they would live God's way and not uh, the, the ways of the world. To show, uh, to, to show his character. God revealed his law that shows his character, and these people were supposed to be a showcase for the world to, to live a holy life. And that separation was important because Gentiles at the time lived a, a life that was terrible. Canaanites, uh, around the time where uh, this was, the law was given, Canaanites sacrificed their own children. They were known for their sexual sins. And it wasn't much better in Jesus' days, in Greco-Roman days either. Temple prostitution existed, which meant that actually people went to the temple, maybe for fertility reasons or to be holy. It didn't make sense. Drunkenness was part of life. Child sacrifice didn't happen anymore. But actually, in Greco-Roman days, children weren't considered fully human. And so when they weren't wanted, they were left out to die. They lived that sort of life. And, and for Jewish people, it was important that they didn't live that kind of life, that they lived a life separate and distinct from the Gentiles. And all this wasn't actually about living a better life. It wasn't just about ethics. For God, actually, it was related to the worship of him, worshiping him. Because all the false living, all the terrible living, uh, stems from uh, worshiping of Uh, false gods. And God wanted uh, them to be devoted to him. That's why it was important to not mingle with the Gentiles. Listen to the warning in Deuteronomy 29 to 31. Well, I'll just read 31. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. I hope you caught that. In worshiping their God, 
they do all sorts of detestable things. What they worship, what you worship, what we worship, determines how we live, determines our ethics, determines what kind of life we're going to live. And so God wanted Israelites to be set apart and devoted to him and to live a life that is holy and good. So before we go on, let's make it clear that actually this wasn't about racial superiority. It wasn't about the genes. It wasn't because Jewish people were um, somehow special. They had special genes in their blood. And it wasn't actually, in the end, about ethics either. Jewish, uh, Jewish people weren't God's children because they lived a better life, morally superior life. It was, but it was about worship of him. And we know that partly because of all the Gentiles who are included as God's people. Ruth, Rahab, Ninevites. Actually, when Jonah went to Nineveh, the whole city converted, right? They were included as God's people. And perhaps even Nebuchadnezzar, as we went through uh, Daniel's series, you know, you see how Nebuchadnezzar actually repents. As people turn to God, no matter whether they're Gentile or Jews, they, uh, uh, they become part of God's people. After all, Israel, once again, was supposed to be a nation for all nations, a people for all peoples. But nonetheless, Israel was set apart to be different. And this is where that distinction comes. They were the children of God. God had revealed himself and his laws to them. And then everywhere else, everybody else were dogs, people who lived their own ways. This is how people talked back then. And this is the the language that Jesus uses. But it's still shocking. Even with this whole explanation of why this distinction is important and why it exists, it still is shocking, isn't it? That Jesus calls this woman a dog. And I think we do have to ask the question, why is he doing this? Because he doesn't have to use that language, but he does. Why is he doing this? I think what he's doing is that this is an invitation for her to come and explore further. Because this isn't the first time Jesus does something like this. If you turn back to chapter 4 of Gospel of Mark, there, uh, this is one of the most puzzling texts also in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus says that he uses parables not to explain things and make things clear. But he says he uses parables to make things unclear so that they would not understand. Lots of these parables, if you actually just gave the parables, you wouldn't know what the meaning of it is. So this is a challenge that Jesus is throwing out to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He speaks in cryptic terms. But if you respond to him and if you come to him, Jesus explains. He gives the explanation to everyone who comes. So I think this is what's happening here as well. Jesus says something uh, cryptic and something on a surface level pretty mean to see how she reacts. This is a test, whether she would come. And she has that faith to come to him or whether she would just run away. And the woman passes with flying colors This nameless woman responds in a way that's full of wit and actually awareness of herself and also faith. uh, She replies in verse 28, Lord, even the dogs under under the table eat the children's crumbs. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall under the table. 
It's a witty comment, isn't it? Because she deflects the offense, right? And then she asks, she finds a way to ask Jesus again. It's a witty comment, but it's more than that. There seems to be a deep awareness of herself as well, of her situation. She accepts the term dog here. She doesn't get offended. She doesn't fight it because she understands that she is a Gentile woman. She has no right for this rabbi's help. But she comes in faith. She comes even though she has no right. She comes because she has heard of Jesus that she has heard that this is a man who might show mercy, that if she comes to him, this is a man who has power to heal. So she comes anyway, begging for what she, can, she is not entitled to. And moved, Jesus says, verse 29, for such a reply, you may go. Your de- the demon has left your daughter. In fact, this whole thing, there's something quintessentially Christian about her response and what Jesus says and how she responds, isn't there? She is a model for all Christians. Christianity is, starts with the recognition that we do not have any rights before God. That if we think we deserve this salvation, that we're not given mercy, if we recognize that we don't deserve it, then God showers us with mercy. That is what we see in this woman. The dog doesn't have any rights, but she comes begging uh, 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 Jesus anyway, trusting that Jesus has the power and the compassion and love and mercy for her. What happens to the children, quote-unquote children, the Jews uh, in the previous section and, uh, and thereafter? Take a look at the beginning of chapter 7, and actually let's take a look at the context in the beginning of chapter 7. We see there another controversy with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The best of Jewish people, but they were picking on Jesus and his disciples because disciples uh, were caught eating food with their unwashed hands, which, which would make them unclean ceremoniously. They say that they were defiled. And once again, the cleanliness law was a reminder, a physical reminder, that they need to repent, but they missed the point don't they? Because they say that eating food with unclean hands will make you unclean. And so Jesus is frustrated. Verse 18, 19. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile them? In saying this, Jesus declared all food clean. He says nothing that comes um, from outside, that comes from your, uh, that, that, that goes through your mouth and goes through the stomach and comes out will make you unclean because you know where the problem is. It's not the stomach. It's not your, your mouth. It's the heart. So he continues in verse 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile the person. You see what Jesus is saying to the children of God. He's saying, you are the children, you are the Jews, the chosen people, but you are unclean. And it's not what goes from outside. You are unclean because your heart is unclean. Because out of your heart comes all these evil things. You think you are clean, but actually you need a heart transplant. Your heart needs to be changed. You need to be a changed, a, a dramatic. You, you need to come to me. 
is what, she, what he's saying. And almost to demonstrate this point, that actually Jews are no different than the Gentiles, take a look at where he goes, verse 24, in our story. He went to Tyre, where Gentiles lived. It's in the northwest um, of this map. He went to the vicinity of Tyre where Gentiles lived. He goes in to the Gentile territory because there is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. He wanted to demonstrate that. And what's, again, if you turn back to this woman, you see this in, the, in this context. Yes, Jesus, on the surface level, said that Jewish people are the children of God and the Gentiles are dogs. But actually, you see, Jesus has come to feed the Gentiles. Both Jews and Gentiles are impure because we all have a heart condition. We all need to beg in front of God and receive for his mercy. And that's Christianity 101. If you think that you deserve it, if you think that you are okay, if you think that you do not need Jesus, well, you won't receive his mercy. But if you recognize your desperate condition and beg before God, Jesus gives willingly. Jesus gives generously. He showers us with mercy. So what do you think, again, of your heart? What do you think of your heart condition? Do you accept the diagnosis? If, you're, if the Spirit is showing you the evilness of your heart, then uh, 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 your desperate condition, then come to him. This is a message for you. You see, Jesus did this on purpose because although he is a Jewish Messiah, he has come for everyone, for all people. And that's precisely, once again, why he went to Tyre. But not only what, uh, he goes to Tyre, he goes to other territories as well. So take a look at verse 31 after our story where he goes. Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon the, uh, and down to Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. On the first look, actually, he, he says uh, Jesus going to this uh, region of Galilee where Jewish people uh, were in, uh, in the, the kingdom of Israel. But uh, that mention of Decapolis it happens one more time in the Gospel of Mark, and it was back in chapter 5. In Decapolis was the possessed man possessed with the legion of demons. And do you remember that story? Where, they, where he was, people were raising pigs. Uh, it probably means that the people who lived in that region weren't Jews, because Jews had nothing to do with pigs. They were unclean animals. This is where Gentiles lived. So after uh, meeting with the Syrophoenician woman, healing her daughter, he leaves that place and goes to another Gentile territory. And he heals a deaf and muted man there, but more importantly for our purpose, in the beginning of chapter 8, he feeds a 4,000. And have you ever wondered why Jesus does this miracle twice? Or have you ever wondered why Mark records this miracle that is so similar to the miracle in chapter 6, feeding of the 5,000? Feeding of the 5,000 happened in chapter 6, and it's virtually the same miracle. Why, why does he record this miracle again? What's different this time? Well, feeding of the 5,000 was an absolutely Jewish affair. 
It was done in, for Jews in Jewish territory. When they were done eating, they had how many baskets of le- uh, left? Do you remember? Twelve. Twelve is quintessentially Jewish number. This, is, uh, this, is Jew- for, uh, this was done for Jewish people. Jesus, what he's saying is he's come to feed the Jewish people. He's the bread who's come to feed the Jews. They were the, he's the Messiah that Jews had been waiting for. He has come first for the Jewish people. But then the feeding of the 4,000 people, although exactly the same miracle, is now done in the Gentile territories. You might even have picked up the number four, actually, is a number of universality. You know, when uh, God sends angels to four corners, it doesn't mean just four corners. It meant everywhere, all parts of the world. He fed 4,000 people, and how many uh, baskets of bread and, and fish were left after? Seven. Seven is a number of completion. Jesus is the bread for all people. He goes to demonstrate this, and if you're still not convinced, uh, take a look at what uh, uh, Mark records. Um, After feeding of the 5,000, Mark records, they all ate and were satisfied. And remember what Jesus said to the woman, the Syrophoenician woman. You know, the thing is strange, isn't it? She wants Jesus to heal her daughter, but then he says, he turns the conversation about feeding, feeding the, 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 the children and the dog, and he said in chapter 7, 20, 27, first let the children be satisfied. And after, what he's saying is, look, I've fed the Jews now, and I am actually going to feed you. Because he goes then, after telling this to the Syrophoenician woman, um, after feeding of the 4,000, there, Mark records again, people ate and were satisfied. These stories are related The woman came to beg for crumbs. And Jesus demonstrates that through the feeding of the 4,000 that he's come for them as well. You know what this means? People who thought that they did not have access to God's grace, people who were dirty, people who were impure, people who had no right to be with God, Jesus goes and reaches out to them. Jesus goes to feed them because he is the Messiah for all people, people, especially the people who think that they do not deserve God's grace. Remember the first point about how we Jewish people wanted to live a life that is pure. Well, no one could do that. We're all impure. We couldn't live that life. So Jesus came to feed everyone. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done, who's related to you. If you come to Christ, then he'll feed you. So this is an invitation to everyone, for everybody to come to him. Here's a, I want to end in this note. Um, In order to receive Christ, we must admit that we are sinners, that our heart is in desperate condition, that only Jesus can fix it. We need to beg for God's mercy. So we, uh, um, but that alone, that thought alone should, uh, is sort of, is not enough because that would immobilize us to think actually I do not deserve God's mercy. There needs to be more. We need to know God's grace. 
we need to know that God is one who is able to heal and one who is able to give us, who is willing to give us um, things that we do not deserve. That's what this woman did. Uh, Tim Keller, in his book, King's Cross, uh, has this uh, section. He quotes uh, John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, where he writes this letter, and Newton writes this letter rebuking the person who was struggling with his guilt, and he was depressed. And he writes to him and says, You say you are overwhelmed with guilt and a sense of unworthiness. Well, you cannot be too aware of inward and inbred evils you complain of, but you may be. Indeed, you are improperly controlled and affected by them. You say it is hard to understand how a holy God could accept such an awful person as yourself. You then not only express a low opinion of yourself, which is right, but also too low an opinion of the person, the work, and promise of the Redeemer, which is wrong. You complain about sin, But when you examine your complaints, they are full of self-righteousness, unbelief and pride and impatience that they are little better than the worst sins you complain of. It is right to have a low opinion of ourselves, but it is absolutely wrong to have a low opinion of Christ and his work. He can forgive everyone who comes to him. No matter what you've done, no matter how fallen you think your heart is. And let's face it, if we examine our heart, we'll always come to the conclusion there's something wrong with us. But you are invited. Jesus says, I have come to feed you. And for those of you who are still exploring this faith, Uh, Those of you who uh, are feeling that this is actually uh, something that is speaking to you, I pray that you will ask Christ to come into your heart. This woman knew that she was a dog, a sinner, but she came to Christ, and I'm going to end with uh, one St. Tim Keller's words. She also said, But your mercy is deeper than my guilt, wider than all my wanderings, stronger than my weakness, greater than all of my sin. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise that you reveal to us what is wrong with us. That it's not, uh, that there is something wrong with our hearts. That our hearts are impure. But we thank you that your love is even greater what you have done in sending your Son to die for us on the cross is even greater, that all who come to him will receive the salvation. And we pray now that you would assure all of us of your grace and mercy for us, that despite the fact that we do not deserve it, you've given it to us. And for those of us here who are exploring the Christian faith, we pray that your Spirit will move them Reveal to them the the fallenness of their hearts, that they might be humbled, that they might come to you and beg for mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.